Good morning, church. What a joy to be here. I think it's 75 in Orlando. And why am I in Bowling Green today? Cold day, but I'm glad to be here. Thanks to Pastor Jason's kind invitation to be here. I met Brother Jason and some of the pastors uh, over at the Cove and just came with all those guys in a hurry. And they were so gracious and friendly and said, come to Bowling Green sometime. And because of this good pastor who loves the Lord and loves you, and so kind to invite me out here today. So thank you for the joy of being here. Uh, this is kind of stomping ground for me. By the way, the praise team, I love the praise team. Man, y'all good singers. Just, whew, that was worth coming up here just for that. Just wonderful. Uh, I, uh, I married a girl from Cave City. And uh, her brother pitched baseball for Western Kentucky. We got a marriage license in Munfordville. So I'm kind of familiar. I got married at Salem Baptist Church, off near Bearwalla Road, uh, not far from here. So this is back home in many ways for me. And Nashville is my home, so I'm not too far from Tennessee. And what a joy to, to see you all and see what God is doing here. I tell you, you can tell. Well, I, anyway, I was in a the hotel that you all put me in, and I, the, the, the young lady that was at the desk, she said, oh, you're going to be at the church I go to. I said, where do you go? I go to Living Hope. I said, great. I said, what do you like about the church? And here was her response. She didn't know me from anybody. She said, the people are so friendly and welcoming. You feel just so good there. And I love Pastor Jason's preaching. I said, what? isn't that a great recommendation that this young lady comes to this church and loves what she feels and finds here in you and in a pastor's teaching. So I, I can't think of a higher compliment than for a stranger to tell me how much she loves this church. So I'm glad to be here, and uh, thank you for the kind introduction, Pastor. You know, be sure that you remember me, because let me tell you what happened. I was on a plane one time uh, going from Asheville to Charlotte, and this lady was sitting beside me, and uh, we struck up a conversation, and I had a book I was reading that was a Christian book, and I know she was reading a Christian book. I could tell she was looking at what I was reading, and so we were kind of, and she said, what are you reading? I told her, I said, I know it's what you're reading, so we struck, struck up a conversation. I said, where are you from? She said, Orlando. I said, that's wonderful. I said, where did you go to church? She said, oh, I went to First Baptist Church, Orlando. I said, you did? I said, who's the pastor there? She said, Jim Henry. I said, oh, that's wonderful, yeah. And then I asked a question, a scary question. I said, what did you think about it? Because I wasn't going to tell her my name if she was going to give me a bad word, you see. So she said, oh, I like Brother Jim, I like her. She went on and on. I said, I just said that feeling so good. And finally, I said, ma'am, I said, I'm glad to meet you. I'm Jim Henry. She said, you're not. I said, yes, I am. I said, I'm that guy you saw up there. She said, oh, no, can I jump off this plane? <laughs> so remember my face. You may be sitting beside me on an airplane sometime. <laughs> but I just love being with the family of God. I was with the, the pastors and the elders last night. And what a wonderful group of men and women. I, they just made me feel so at home. And what a joy to see what God's doing here through this church. So it's a privilege to have the pulpit that Pastor Jason has so wonderfully filled so that we substitute today. Got your Bibles with you? Turn with me to the book of 1 John. 
Pastor asked me to kind of deal with this uh, uh, wonderful book. And of course, it's, it's stay for months in the book of First John. So I just want to pull out a few things from this book that's so powerful. One of the last books of the Bible. Stand with me, John, of the Word of God. And we're reading from First John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. May God bless His Word. Would you pray with me? Father, let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, and get great glory in Your church at Living Hope. Through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, now and throughout all generations, forever and ever, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Love is a, a wonderful word. Uh, we use it sometimes kind of loosely and carelessly. Uh, well, I don't say carelessly, but you know, we love everything. We love pizza. We love the Wildcats or the Gators. Or, by the way, I had that game go up. No, I won't go. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we love uh, people, kind of. We, we love uh, our car. We love that motorcycle. We love those clothes. We, we love it. It's kind of a, we just throw it out there. But you know, love is a very powerful word. When you think of that, the Bible says three things live forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 550 times in the Bible, the word love is used. So it is a powerful word. In John, John is the disciple of love. This wonderful man lived to be probably nearly a hundred years of age. And so John is writing to the church. And he's talking about love. And so there's three things I think John would say to us from his word today that help us in today's contemporary world. Number one, love is loving God. The Bible says God is love. John had three things that he really spoke of in First John. He said the phrase, God is light, God is spirit, and God is love. And this is the one he seems to hammer on the most. God is love. So it's all the way back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Love Him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all repeat, Jesus said that thousands of years later, he repeats the same thing from Deuteronomy 6.4. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Now, the question comes, if this is the greatest statement about God is that God is love, how do I love God? I say it, but how? How do you express love for God? First of all, you spend time with Him. You spend time with God, you get to know somebody by spending time with Him. So how do we do that? That's where He comes in for reading the Bible. 
Are you reading your Bible on a regular basis? You read devotional books and good books and inspirational books, but the book of all books is the Bible. Spend time in the Bible. I challenged our church when I was a pastor at First Baptist in Orlando, and now a church where I'm an interim pastor at Downtown Baptist. We're reading through the Bible this year. Why do I ask the people to read through the Bible? Because they'll get to know God by spending time in His Word. This is a Word that's a sacred Word. And He's given us His Word, and this is a love letter. You get a letter from somebody you love, you open it up, and say, what do they got to say? This is where I spend time with God. Second thing, I pray. When you're in love with somebody, you spend time talking to them. Because if you don't talk to each other, you don't get to know each other. So prayer is talking to God. And you don't have to be fancy about it. You just, just talk to God. So how do I get to love God? I spend time in His Word. That's Him speaking to me. I pray. That's me speaking to Him. And then sometimes I just shut up and listen. It's called meditation. Just listen. I challenge you today. Spend 10 minutes with God every day. I used to, when I first started out, saying pray for 10 minutes. And man, I pray for 10 minutes. That's a long time. But I'm going to tell you what, once you start, 10 minutes will be just like that. It'll be the fastest 10 minutes of your day. So you pray, take 10 minutes with God every morning. You can say, well, I can do it at night or some other time. You can. But if you start your day, you've already primed the pump thinking towards God. Where I get out of bed every morning, I, I, I start looking up. Say, thank you, Lord, for protecting us. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for loving me. This is your day. Make me a blessing today. And I put on the whole armor of God. My Lord's here to battle with truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Speech out of the gospel. Preparation of peace. Lift up the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. Taking my hand, the sword of the Holy Spirit. Here we go, Lord. Then I hit the deck. I'm ready to go. So I try to start my day looking up this way so I can live better this way. So I challenge you, if you want to get to know God, know His Word. Because how do you know who God is? You find in the Bible the character of God. What's God like? How do I know what God is like? We look at Jesus, because Jesus is God. So I read about Jesus, I'm reading who God is. And you look at Jesus, and everything that Jesus is, is God. So by knowing the Bible, spending time with Him, I get to know the character of God. And God reveals Himself in the Old and the New Testament by His names. So a name reveals a lot of things. If I say Maserati, then you know that name like a really good car. You know, if you, so if you say uh, New England Patriots, you think about a football thing that's pretty good. Tom Brady, uh-huh. Whoever it is, that represents that person. So when I'm knowing the Bible, I know the names of God, who He is. He is Jehovah Rapha. Lord, you're the God who lives. You're Jehovah's sick canoe. You're the God who is righteous. You're Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. You're Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And so I know this is who God is. He says, here's who I am. And he gives us his names. And I know his names through knowing the word of God. So how do I get to know God and love God? By knowing who he is. And I know what he loves. So I know God by knowing what he loves. Well, who does God love? What does God love? It says God is love. Well, what does God love? I love what God loves. When Peter, uh, after the resurrection, Jesus goes up to Galilee, and he's Peter who has denied him. He's forgiven that. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. Look after my people. So I love God by loving others. 
Now, who does God love? Look in the Bible. If you were to go through your Bible and start underlining these words, Old and New Testament, you'll see who God loves. Underline the word poor. Underline the word children. Underline the word orphans. Underline the word prison. Underline the word alien. Underline the word widows. And you'll see, this is who God loves. Our church some years ago decided as deacons, we administered to the widows in the church because in Acts chapter 6, they did that. Do you know how many widows we had in our church at that time? We had, we found out, we had 300 widows in our church. So the deacons divided up among themselves about three deacons, uh, three uh, widows to each deacon. We started ministering to the widows because a good chance, guys, is your wife may be a widow someday. Don't you want to be a part of a church that's looking after the widow so that they don't get ripped off at a car dealer, if the screen door falls off, they got somebody at the church that can help them, somebody that talks to them and cares about them and loves them. We started doing that, and you know what happened? God was blessing our church, but it looked like it hit a pass in here. The church took off to a higher level. Why? Because you're loving who God loves. So how do I love God? I love who He loves. You go to prison ministry, you're loving who God loves. You feed the poor, you're loving who God loves. You help the aliens, you're loving who God loves. You help the people who are, are hungry, you're helping who God loves. You're helping children, you're loving who God loves. So I show my love this way to God by loving who God loves. So he's telling us, John, here's the way we love God. We love who God loves loves, and we love Him by obeying Him. If your child loves you, they'll do what you tell them to do. Now, they don't always do that. don't mean they don't love you, but they don't always obey you. That's why we have time out. That's why we have discipline, because they don't obey. When our children do what we ask them to do or tell them to do, that shows they trust us and they really want to please us. So they obey us. So when God tells us to do something, do it. That shows that I'm loving Him. So if He tells me that we should do the Lord's Supper, that's a command, I'd do it. If he tells me to tithe, that's a command, I'd do it. If he tells me to feed the poor, I'd do it. That's, if I be baptized, He says do it, I'd do it. I try to obey God and I love Him by obeying Him. So, love a great word. And it begins with loving God. Secondly, we love others. In this passage that we read, he talks about Jesus being the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So part of our command, and Jesus said, just before he went to, to heaven, you know, the last words of a person are always the ones you usually remember. Last words. He says, go into all the world and be my witnesses. Make disciples here in Jerusalem and everywhere. So, I love lost people. And people around you are lost in your schools, your neighbors, your colleagues at work. A lot of them are lost. They go to hell if they don't have their faith in Jesus. And our call is to tell them when we get the opportunity, lovingly, to point them to Jesus. I read about an old boy in East Tennessee. And this, this kid, he, he had this girl he wanted to date so badly. 
been finally got a date with her. And uh, he was so excited. They went out on a date. He wanted to kiss her so bad, but he didn't know how to go about it. It was the first date, but he, she was so pretty and he wanted to kiss her so bad. So finally got her to the front door and he's still, you know, trying to get up the courage to kiss her. And she's standing there at the front door. He's telling her good night. She's just standing there. He's standing there. And he said, wow, he just asked permission. He said, can I kiss you? And she didn't say a word. So he asked again, may I kiss you? He didn't say a word. And by this time, he's really getting stripped out. So he said, are you dead? She said, are you paralyzed? Sometimes we're paralyzed, aren't we? We don't say anything. We just stand there, and there's somebody that needs you to tell them. I, I'm saved because somebody told my mother and my grandmother, and they told me a Sunday school teacher, the preachers. I, I, somebody was telling, so I came to faith in Christ. So we tell them, and the greatest thing that we can ever do for another person is to tell them about Jesus. C.S. Lewis, who was an agnostic, became a Christian, one of the great thinkers of, of the last generation of C.S. Lewis. Wrote some great stuff, as you know, made movies, and some of you have seen them. But C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if Christianity is true, it's the most important thing in the world. If it's not true, it's of no importance. But it cannot be moderately important. The most important thing you'll ever do in your whole life is trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some of you here today, you've never done that. You've thought about it. You've got friends who have. Your spouse may have. Your friends may have. Your buddies may have. But you never have. It's a very personal thing. Nobody can do it for you. You have to choose to respond to God's love for you by trusting Him. And I want to tell you, most wonderful thing to come to Jesus. I have never found one person in over 50 years of ministry who said, I'm sorry I became a Christian. Not one. And I've met thousands of people. All of them are smiling I'm glad. You want to be glad today? Put your faith in Jesus. I'll never forget this young man came to the office and uh, he, uh, he said, Brother Jimmy said, I was listening on. He said, I, I, I think I'd like to become a Christian. I said, okay. So I sat down and shared with him the basic gospel. God loves you. You're a sinner. But Jesus died for you. But he rose again on the third day and just says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I said, do you believe that, son? He said, yes, sir, I do. I said, if you really mean it, I want you to get down on your knees and pray with me. We got down on our knees and this young man knelt beside me and I prayed with him. I prayed for the Lord to save him. And he prayed that prayer, that very simple prayer, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me my sins. I trust you, Jesus. Come into my heart. We got through praying. I stood up. I raised my hand out. I said, did you accept Jesus? He said, yes, I did. I said, welcome to God's family. You are now my brother in Christ. We hugged each other. And he said, man, Brother Jim, he said, I feel so good. I said, well, wonderful. He said, you know, he said, I'll tell you what I feel like. He said, I'm a boy scout. He said, we take these hikes. I have this big pack on my back. And he said, ever so many miles, the scout master will say, take the pack off your back. 
And he says, I stop and take that pack off my back. And he says, sit down and relax for a few minutes. And he said, it feels so good. And he said, I feel like while ago, I took the pack off my back in my heart. That's when our sin is forgiven. Our guilt is removed. God sees our sin no more. It's as if we never sinned. And it's so important. It's so urgent that you do that. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't wait till next week or next month or next year. Do that today if you never have. I never forget when I was pastoring my first church. There's a man there just close to church. His name was Buford. His wife came to church. I went to see Mr. Buford one day, and uh, his wife said he's sick, but you can go in there and see him if you want to. So I walked in and sat across from him. We talked for a few minutes, and I shared the gospel just like I did a few while ago. And I said, Mr. Buford, would you like to accept Jesus? He said, well, I don't know about that. I, I'll think about it. So I'll tell you what, I'll be in church next Sunday. I said, well, great. I'll see you next Sunday because you can't make somebody accept Jesus. That's, that's the Holy Spirit's work to do that. So I prayed with him and left. I was in New Orleans at the seminary at the time, and so I drove back up that Saturday to go visit the people and preach on Sunday. And uh, I came by the church. We had a little cemetery right next to the church, and I saw a fresh grave out there. And so I went up to the filling station where one of the deacons were, and I said, Paul, I said, who, got, who died this week? He said, Buford. I said, you mean Mr. Buford lives up in the church? He said, yeah. He said, you know, he got sick on Monday, went to the hospital, and he died Wednesday, and we buried him yesterday. I said, what? I said, well, I was sitting by his bed last Saturday. He said, well, Brother Jim, he is in that grave right up there. And I went over and stood over that grave. I'll never forget. It staggered me. And I said, Mr. Buford, did you trust him? A week ago, he was living, and had stone cold in the grave. Don't wait to trust Jesus. And so we introduce people to Jesus so they will love him. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then the follow-through of that is this. We love each other. When you go through there in John, and he's writing this to the church, Look at the times he says, love one another. In the passage that we read, and in chapter 1, verse 7, chapter 3, verses 11 and 14, he keeps on saying, love one another. Why? Because we're in the body of Christ. This is God's family. You see, Christianity is an individual decision and commitment, but it's also a commitment to a body. In the Bible, Jesus never talked about just our being by our lone rangers. We're a community. The disciples, when he sent them out, he didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out two by two. Because he knew we needed each other. This is my family. This is the body of Christ. We need each other. And what a joy it is to be a part of the family of God. The family of God is there for doing a lot of things. What does the family of God do? The family of God helps us to love Him and help each other. You see, it costs God His Son. It costs Christ His life. And it leaves it up to us the cost of loving and caring for each other. We need to love each other. See, I, I, I can say, I've had some pretty tough customers in churches I've pastored, but I can say I love the people. I didn't always like some people, but I loved them because God loves them. That's my brother. That's my sister in Christ. And so how do I love in the body of Christ? I love by caring 
for my brothers and sisters in Christ. We care for each other. In the hospital, we're sick, we need prayer. We care for each other. My mother's 99. Who's looking after her now? Because I'm in Florida and she's in, in Nashville. People in the church. She's been a widow since 1994. Who's looking after mom? Our friends in Jesus in the church, First Baptist Hendersonville and other churches she's been in. It's a part of the body of Christ. We care for each other. When we were in Orlando, uh, we had a fundraiser try to raise money and ask the people to sacrificially give. And so this couple came, and I preached about the woman who gave the perfume and broke it over Jesus' head and anointed his head and his, his hair and his feet with the, with the perfume. And I said, some of you need to give your out your box of perfume to Jesus. You know, it's a bad. That, that, what that woman did was worth a year's wages. That was a big gift. So at the invitation time, this couple come up. And one of the pastors, Brother Jim, call her and talk to this couple. They need to talk to you. So I came up, and the man and the woman both were crying. And she says, next Sunday, I know it's a Sunday where we're supposed to bring our gifts, but while we're sitting there, the Lord spoke to us, and she, she pulled her wedding ring off her finger. And she said, we don't have much. And they, they didn't have much. He painted part-time. But sometimes the church had to help them feed them. I knew that's all they had. And she said, I want to give my ring, sell it, and whatever it brings, put that in to get in the land. I said, man, we can't do that. That's your wedding. She said, yeah, we are, too. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. So they went back to their seat. I held up that ring, and I said, this couple are giving the best they got their wedding ring. What will you do next week? Do you know what happened? During that week, I had seven different people in the body of Christ call me or see me and say, Brother Jim, don't you dare sell that ring. Find out what it costs. Let me know. I'll put that extra money in, and you get that ring back to that girl. Seven different people may not even know her, but they heard her story, and the body of Christ, the family says, we're going to take care of that. Don't you sell her ring. And did God bless that? The next Sunday, people brought houses. They brought uh, cars, money. And one guy walked down the aisle with paid papers for a Brahma bull. He said, I couldn't bring the bull down here, but here's the paper selling. <laughs> because, you see, God used the body of Christ in caring to make a difference in her life. And so that's the way we do it. We, we care for each other. We have to confront each other sometimes because we're not doing what we ought to be doing. That's called church discipline. We, we don't like that word, but we care about you. We care about you being here. We care about you being in a, in a Bible class. We care about your presence here. We care. Where are you? Don't drift away. It'll hurt you. Be in the body of Christ. And when we're here, let's agree to... We don't have to agree on everything, but we always should have a spirit of love in Christ and helping each other. Because unity is a big thing. Jesus prayed, the longest prayer recorded of Jesus, John chapter 17, the longest prayer that we have recorded, He prayed for that they be one, Father, as you and I are one. What's he praying? He's praying for the church. Because one is indivisible. So this church is very important that you stay together in one. And it's so easy to get off and get trapped in little things. I know when I was a pastor at Two Rivers, when I first went there, we just had one building, basically. We didn't have tile on the floors, concrete floors, folding chairs to sit in. And so I'm sitting there, you know, and I said, let's get some tile. So I had a committee to look up, get some tile. 
And in those days, we voted on everything. I mean, pure democracy. So I hold it up. We had two tiles they couldn't decide on. So I hold up the two tiles. I said, okay, I'll, if you like this tile, hold up your hand. If you like this tile, hold up your hand. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. And so 50 for this one, 50 for that one. I said, okay, we're going to do it again. How many of somebody change your mind? How many of you like this tile? How many of you like that tile? Tile vote again. I said, going to do it one more time. If nobody votes, I'm going to vote for it one way or the other. How many of you like this one? How many of you like one? Guess what happened? Tie vote. I said, okay, I'm voting for this one. And that's it. we got to go. Let's go on. We took 10 minutes voting on tile for the church. I go home. I said, I said can you believe that? We spent 10 minutes voting on colored tile to go in the church. She said, yeah, you dummy. You voted for the wrong color. <laughs> See, that threatened our unity right there. My, right in my own household. Division. Well, you know, we're going to have differences about some things, but basically, hey, we're going to spend eternity together. We're going to love each other. We're going to care. We're going to confront. And we're going to have compassion and connect with each other. That's why our Bible classes and home groups, we're connected with each other. And that connection means everything in the world that we stay together in a disconnected world. So how do I how do I do? I love God, I love others, and I love His church, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we join together in a victory parade. I love the music we're singing this morning. So the battle is the Lord, the lion, the lamb. He's the winner. We live in a world that we're wondering where's this crazy world going to? I tell you where it's going to end up. I know who's going to win, and that's the joy we carry. In our hearts, and a lot of people don't have that. And we should live in that victory of a God who so loved the world. He gave his very best. Over in England, there's a pastor named David Watson. He pastored Anglican Church in York. It's a huge, almost cathedral type church. He was a Bible preaching teacher, and, and the people just flocked to the church. Three services, one after the other, they lined up outside on the streets of York to get into the services, lined up to get in to hear this young, dynamic preacher. David Watson had a thing while he was preaching, had one of those little mannerisms, you know, like, like some of us do. We do certain things we don't even realize it. But he'd be preaching, say, Our Lord reigns. He'd be preaching along, and preaching something, and, Our Lord reigns. He'd preach along, Our Lord reigns. And that was just, that was just stop. Well, he got cancer. He went to the best doctors in England, and they checked him. They did everything they could. The church prayed. The church fasted, anointed with oil. But in God's providence, he didn't heal him. David Watson, this young, dynamic preacher, went to be with the Lord Jesus. They asked the bishop to come that next Sunday to preach and, and minister to the church, because the church loved David Watson. It's like you love your pastor. And they were brokenhearted, so they said, would you come and minister to us today? He came. When he got up to the pulpit, he was so moved because he knew David, and his heart was so broken, he could not even hardly get any words out of his own mouth. In the church, you could hear people sobbing here and there, everywhere it was silent, except for the sobs of people. And then suddenly, somebody in the balcony stood up and said, Our Lord reigns! Another guy stands up over and says, Our Lord reigns! And somebody else said, Our Lord reigns! And suddenly, everybody in the church is standing up and sing together like at a ball game. Our Lord reigns. Our Lord reigns. Our Lord reigns. 
and it began to echo, and for minute after minute, it began to roll just like a crescendo of drums. Boom, 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 boom. And the people got caught up in what they'd heard their pastors say for years, the reality, our Lord reigns. And folks, when you're loving God, loving the lost, loving each other, it's because of the ultimate reality, our Lord reigns. And you keep that in your mind, and you keep that in your heart. No curious group. Let them hear. Our Lord reigns. You are grieving. Death doesn't have a final word. Our Lord reigns. Every tyrant, every gate of hell, every demon in hell, everyone who rebuke and say nothing good about Jesus Christ, hear this word. Our Lord reigns. And let us live in that victory of our risen Christ who so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Jesus Christ. And death does not have the final word. Our Lord reigns. Does He reign in your heart, in your home, in your business? Does the Lord reign? Would you bow your head and stand with me as we pray? Our heads bowed. I want you to think for just a moment. Is there anything the Holy Spirit said to you? And He said, I need to do this. I need to stop doing this. This is something I need to obey God in Somebody I need to tell about Jesus. Something I need to do. Renew my life back in the family of faith. This is this is not my family forever. I'm coming back home to God's people. Whatever it may be. After I pray, with our heads still bowed, our praise team is leading us. The altar is wide open for you. You come and kneel and just very simply tell the Lord what's on your heart. Say it in such a simple, short way that you can remember most of it. And then go back to your seat with what you said and your words to the Lord on your knees at this altar. You may want to come as a couple, as a family. It may be something in your family, some hurt, some need, whatever it is. God loves you. You come. After I pray, with our heads bowed, you slip out where you are, come quickly and pray back to your seat. Lord Jesus, may your will be done and reign now. In Jesus' name, you come. You come.